Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 15. If you're able to stand, will you do so? Uh, Let's stand in reverence for the reading of God's Word. Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 15. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore... Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray. Dear God Almighty, we thank you for this chance to listen to your word. Thank you for this opportunity to listen to you speak. And I pray, God, that as we we focus on your word now, that we would understand as Christians what it means to walk as Christ. What does it mean to imitate Christ in our lives, in our everyday existence, God? We live in a fallen world, and as Christians, God, we often feel like we do not belong, and that is because we don't. You have called us into a kingdom that is not of this world. And so, Father, we thank you for your word as it guides us in living in this fallen, sinful place. And I pray right now, God, you would open our hearts and our minds to receive what you have to tell us. And I pray, God, you'd speak boldly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Ephesians 5 is one of these chapters that many people will only teach certain sections of. And everybody loves to go to chapter 5 and talk about the husbands and the wives and what the wife's role is and what the husband's role is. And we're going to get to that soon enough. But we have to understand what Paul is saying. If we remember the chapter, the theme of chapter 5 is Paul is calling the church to imitate Christ in all that we do. To be beloved children walking in love and walking in light. We are the light of Christ. I don't know about you, but the, more I, the longer I am a Christian, the longer I live, the older I get, the more I am frustrated with the world around me. I'm starting to turn into my dad. And I was blessed to go be with my dad this week. I had to leave at the last minute. My father was in the hospital, um, and I was able to go to Kingsport and be with him uh, while he was going through some, uh, some procedures and some tests. And I had some really good time with him, just me and my dad, just sitting. We, we talked a little bit, but we just sat, and that was good. And I've learned more and more the longer I'm with my dad, the more I'm like him. You know, sometimes when you get older, you and you start arguing and complaining about the world around you, and what's this world, what's this next generation doing, what, do they, why, what are they thinking, right? You ever act like that? You look around your, your neighbors, and you look around the world, and you look around your workplace, and you just shake your head and think, I don't belong here anymore. The world is changing too fast. You know, that's my dad. Yeah, I love him to death. I'm, I'm starting to feel the same way. I'm looking around going, what? I'll tell you this, you know you're getting old when the music is too loud. I can't stand loud music anymore. I mean, there's some of these things I'm just shaking my head going, what are y'all thinking? 
But we, we live in a world that is clearly not Christian. As much as we love the United States and as much as I love our culture here in America, we are no longer a Christian nation. Can we get an amen on that? Now, I don't want to stand up here and preach about the woes of of the fallen American culture, but it is true. We live in a world that is not Christian. And Paul here in these verses, now when we come to verse 15, Paul has encouraged the church to walk as children of light, to become visible to a dark world. The only way that a dark fallen world can see Christ is through the church. That's what he says in the verses previous here what we looked at last week. The only way a dark and fallen world will ever know the love of Christ is through us because the church is the light. That's what the gospel says here. That's what Paul says here in Ephesians 5. But but, but if we live in a dark world, what does that look like? How do we live as the light? This is what he tells us here in verse 15. See, Paul now teaches these Gentile Christians to be aware of how they present themselves around non-Christians. If we are the light of Christ, we're going to be around some dark people. We're, if we are the light of Christ, we're going to be around darkness and evil in the world. The question is, how do we shine that light? How do we walk as Christians amongst that? I think what Paul tells us here in these verses is very full of wisdom and it's full of insight. And he says, we as Christians must present ourselves to non-Christians in a specific way. We are to walk carefully as Christians. So in imitating Christ, we are to look where we walk. We are to be careful where we step. We are to be careful how we move through this dark world. Because we have a particular witness here. We have a particular message to proclaim. And you don't have to be a preacher to speak publicly to promote the gospel. How we live, how we operate in our day-to-day lives is exactly how the gospel is proclaimed. But if we live in a dark world, what does that look like? You see, to walk carefully is actually a work of the Holy Spirit. Everything that we do as Christians is something that the Holy Spirit is guiding us through. How do we understand God's Word? We only understand God's Word through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. How do we understand the, the lives of the, of the Christian? How do we understand how to be Christians? Is through the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to us, as God's presence to us, as that light that shines ahead of us and actually shows us where to walk. Amen? So Paul here is encouraging the church, this is how you interact with the darkness around you. Here's how you interact with non-Christians, because we have to do it every day. And he says to be wise. Look here in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. He's telling the church here, when you're walking, look where you're stepping. Look carefully then how you walk. Has anybody here ever been guilty of not paying attention where you're going and then suddenly you fall and trip and got some honest people in the back? You know, you're not paying attention to your surroundings and then you stumble. We've all done that. 
And Paul here in verse 15 is telling the church, be careful how you walk. Look carefully. Look ahead and look and see where you're stepping. You don't walk as unwise people. You walk as wise. You see, there's a difference here between knowing about Christianity and having the wisdom of Christ in being a Christian. You know the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing that a tomato does not go in fruit salad. Did you realize that a tomato is not a vegetable? A tomato is a fruit. That's, that's knowledge. That's, that's fact. But, we, but wisdom is knowing what to do with that tomato. You don't put it in fruit salad. So we can have all the knowledge of the world about Christianity. We can have all the knowledge of religion and theology and, and have all the answers that the non-Christians need to hear. We can have every program and every workshop under our belt on how to talk to the non-Christian. But knowledge isn't going to get you very far. It's going to require the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. It's going to require the wisdom of Christ in our lives, showing us how to carefully walk in this dark world. Amen? You see, Paul here telling us to avoid the evils of the world because when we walk carefully, what are we, what are we watching out for as Christians in this dark world? If you are a Christian around any non-Christian, it doesn't take very long before the evil comes out of the non-Christian and they're looking for scandal in your life. They're looking for those little things that they can nitpick in you. You proclaim to be Christ and a non-Christian, the only thing they're looking for is how can I tear them down? They think they're so high and mighty and good. How can I bring out scandal in them and destroy their witness? And this is what Paul is writing about here in verses 15 and 16. Look, he says in verse 15, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. Verse 16, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, this passage here always brings to mind what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10. Flip on over there, Matthew chapter 10. When Jesus is is, uh, teaching here, he's sending out his disciples to go out into the world, and he sends them out two by two, kind of on a little missionary journey. He's sending out his apostles to prepare the towns and the communities for Jesus' arrival. He's sending them out as heralds of the gospel. And he tells them in verse 16, this is the words of Jesus. He says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Verse 17, Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them in the Gentiles. And he continues to tell the disciples here, As you go out, beware. I'm sending you out into a den of serpents. I'm sending you out into a world that's going to come after you. How many people here like snakes? No. Everybody, their eyes are getting big. No, I hate just got one young boy in the back. He loves snakes. 
Aiden loves snakes. That's a boy for you, right? They just love, I, I'm sorry, I just don't like snakes. When I see snakes, I just, you know, there, there's a chill that goes up my spine, right? Snakes represent things that we do not want to be around. Snakes are cunning. Snakes are sneaky. Snakes are, you know, they'll, get, they'll bite you without you realizing they're there. But the words of Jesus here is that when the disciples go out into a dark world, we are to be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves. I think that's what Paul has in mind here in verse 15 of Ephesians 5. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. We are to be wise as serpents according to Jesus. We're to be wise according to Paul. But what does that look like? I mean, is Jesus expecting the Christian to be as deceitful as a serpent? I don't think so. I mean, a serpent is cunning and deceitful and sneaky. That's not what Jesus wants the Christian to be. We're not supposed to be sneaky and deceitful. If Paul in chapter 5 is saying that we are to be children of light and we're to avoid deception and we're to avoid the darkness, but we're compared to the wisdom of a serpent, what does that look like? Sounds like a conundrum here, doesn't it? Let's take a look here what this possibly means. What is the nature of a snake? A snake, if you've ever been around, if you come across a snake out in the weeds, what does the snake first do? A snake will defend itself. But does the snake defend itself with its head or its tail? If you think about it, a snake, when he sees an assailant, a snake will put its body toward the assailant and try to protect its head. How do you kill a snake? You chop off its head. A snake will actually put its body between its opponent, its assailant, and itself trying to protect its head. How do we connect this idea of a serpent with Christ? Who is the head of the church? Jesus Christ. Just like a serpent is going to protect its head Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and we are its body. We, the body of Christ, are to put ourselves between anything coming against the gospel to protect the head, which is Christ. That's how we act like serpents. That's how we protect the integrity of the name of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is saying here in Ephesians chapter 5. You are children of light. You are imitators of God. You are the gospel that people will see and hear. You protect the head of the church, Jesus Christ. You protect the name of the gospel by all means. And if that means be wise as a serpent and you protect it by turning your body toward the assailant and you protect the integrity of the name of Jesus Christ, you do so. Amen? Now, how many of us are willing to do that? How many of us are willing to be that barrier between any kind of assailant against the gospel and the integrity of the word? Are we willing to sacrifice ourselves as the body of Christ for the sake of God's glory? That's what a serpent's going to do. That's what a snake is going to do. If you come across it, it's going to try to protect itself that way. So we should be wise that for the sake of our head, who is Christ, we should willingly offer our body to those who come against it. We should willingly uh, uh, present ourselves uh, to the persecutors unless the Christian faith be destroyed. 
If we save the body of Christ, if we save the head of Christ by sacrificing ourselves, then we are protecting God. If we deny that, if we refuse to sacrifice our own selves for the integrity of the name of Christ, we are no longer worthy of that name. If Paul here in Ephesians 5 is saying, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. He's saying, be careful how you present yourselves. You're not snakes. You're not evil. But you are the body of Christ. And you are to protect the integrity of the gospel. Now here's a second thing that we can relate here to the wisdom of the snake. How does a snake shed its skin? Right? Snakes shed skin, don't they? A snake, when it has dead skin to shed, will find a small opening to squeeze through and scrape off that old skin. And when he comes on the other side of that small opening, he ha- he's, he's got a fresh new skin, a fresh new growth. But he has to go through a little bit of a tight squeeze to get there. How many of us as Christians find ourselves in a tight squeeze? How many of us as Christians face an opportunity where God says, here's your little hole, I want you to go through it. And what comes out on the other side? A new Christian, a new self, a new level of faith in the Lord. We're not imitating the sneakiness of a serpent. We're not imitating the cunning of a serpent. But we are imitating the wisdom of the serpent by squeezing through the hard times in order for God to scrape away the old self in order to create something new in us. There's some wisdom there. As as Paul says in Ephesians 4.22, here's what he says. Verse 20, but that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. There requires wisdom to go through that process. It requires wisdom. And Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 7 talks about those who come into the kingdom must enter through the narrow gate. We have to go through some hard, narrow times to be scraped a little bit, to squeeze through some difficulty and persecution, to come through the narrow gate of the kingdom, to come out into God's glory. requires wisdom. How do you walk through these things? What does Paul say here in verse 17? You see, here's the problem that Paul isn't submitting here. Before we get to verse 17, he says, well, verse 17, he says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then he goes on in verses 18 and 19 and 20, talking about what the world does, and we're not to be like that. You see, unbelievers are going to come against us. Unbelievers are going to live in a way that we do not live. Or perhaps unbelievers live in a way that we used to live. You see, unbelievers in the world are often in authority. Can we say that, amen? How many of us have employers who are over us, who are not Christians? You see, in this context of the church of Ephesus, Paul is telling the church, you are Gentiles in a new place, you are new children of Christ in, a new, in an old 
corrupt world and you're going to have to live with the non-believer. And very often, your employer is not going to be a Christian. They're going to come against you. They're going to be somebody in authority over you. And someone who has authority over the Christian can inflict trouble upon the Christian. Unbelievers can be like Satan. They can be pretenders of light. But how many of us have ever come across someone who is not a Christian, who is an unbeliever, and instead of being all sweet and bubbly and and manipulative, they're actually irate. You try to talk about the gospel to them, and they become irate with you. You see, wisdom here says that when I am trying to speak of the gospel to someone who does not want to hear the gospel, if they are aggressive toward me, what does wisdom say? Do you fight back with aggression, or do you step back a little bit? And you wait. Jesus Christ here says in Matthew chapter 7, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before swine, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. You see, even Jesus in in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7 tells his believers, those who follow him, be wise at where you present the light of and the truth of the gospel. If the people that you are presenting that to are just going to treat it like trash, reserve judgment for when and where to speak the truth of the gospel. Don't be so irate as a Christian that you're going to fight an irate non-believer. You'll never convince them otherwise. God in His Holy Spirit will prepare someone's heart for the right moment and the right time to receive the gospel. Now, it could be that you don't have to speak a word at all to them. Maybe just the way that you present yourselves as a Christian in your work, as the way that you present yourself as a Christian in the marketplace, you may not have to argue theological debates with them at all. Let them see love of Christ in you. And God will use that to soften their hearts. And then there will be a time that is appropriate to have that conversation. But just wait and listen. Use wisdom from the Holy Spirit for when that is appropriate. I listened to uh, uh, an interview this week of Mike Pompeo, who is the Secretary of State. Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, has done an interview this week with Focus on the Family. And they talked to him about his evangelical faith. And here's what Mike Pompeo says. He says, "The, the best Christian witness that I can have is to be the best Secretary of State that I can be. Mike Pompeo is not going to use his platform of authority as the Secretary of State to bash people over the head with the gospel. Instead, he's going to allow the love of the gospel to come out more forcefully from him doing a good job. The best Christian that Mike Pompeo can be is to be the best Secretary of State that he can be. And he says that is a louder witness and a louder proclamation of the truth of the gospel than anything else he could do. And so Paul here in Ephesians 5, encouraging the Christians, he says to be wise, making the best use of the time. Verse 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand that the will of the, what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your hearts. You see, here's what wisdom is. Wisdom is to do by doing 
and to omit by not doing. Wisdom is knowing when it's appropriate to do a certain thing and also the wisdom when not to do a certain thing. And so if Paul here in verse 17 and 18 tells us, he says there's certain times that you should be joyful and be filled with the Spirit, but there's other times that you just avoid getting drunk and debauchery and those kind of things. He says there's an appropriate time for that. Because think about this, our lives are short, amen? And the Christian is to make the most use of the time given to us. And so our time with unbelievers is precious. Our time with the fallen world is limited and valuable. We are to make the most of the time that we have. We are to seize whatever opportunity we get to do good in order to be the light. We don't waste our time with frivolous debates and arguments with people who don't want to hear the gospel anyway doesn't mean that we discard them. It doesn't mean that we say they'll never get saved. That's not the point. But in order for someone to receive the gospel, they need to see the gospel in action. And the Holy Spirit will soften them to the point that they will receive the truth. And the wisdom of the Christian, according to Paul here, is understanding the appropriate time to speak and understanding the appropriate time not to. Perhaps instead of speaking and debating, we should be praying. Maybe instead of speaking and debating and fighting, we should love our neighbor through action and prayer and showing that they can trust us. Building of trust is very important here. You see, Paul also writes in 2 Timothy chapter 3, the last days will be difficult. They will be lovers of self, lovers of money, Pride, arrogance, abusive language, heartless attitudes, slanderous behavior. So here's the thing. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, that the appearance of godliness will be all around us, and we are to avoid such people. And so in Ephesians 5, he's telling the church, be wise and know who to avoid and who to engage Because those who appear to be the most godly and the most kind are probably the ones who are being sneaky like snakes. And you're to be more wise than that. Don't get drunk, he says. Don't be full of wine and joyfulness. Understand what the will of the Lord is. In verse 17, this understanding is greater than foolishness. Anybody know some foolish people? How many Christians do you know who are just really foolish? How many Christians do we know who are actually wise? Because they have an understanding of what the will of the Lord is. Being sensitive and discerning of the will of God through the Holy Spirit will tell us when we should speak, when we should engage, how we should speak, because the Holy Spirit speaks through us. Wisdom is, you know what, this moment may not be the moment to preach a sermon. This moment may be a moment of just loving them and serving them. To be Spirit-filled in verse 18 is greater than drunkenness. We're to avoid the drunken behavior and the foolish behavior of the world and be different. We're to be understanding. We're to be spirit-filled. We're to sing songs of praise in our hearts. We're to sing songs of praise and melodies to the Lord. And we do this not only to God Almighty, but toward one another. 
We are to give thanksgiving to God for everything. Look at verse 20. Instead of being foolish and being drunk and living in a rowdy lifestyle like the world expects us to do, verse 20, give thanks always and for everything to God the Father. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean to give thanks to God for everything? Can we give thanks to God even for the sinners that are persecuting us? Can we give thanks to God even for those difficult times that causes us to squeeze through, even though it's difficult and painful and, 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 and tiresome? Can we be thankful for that and understand through the Spirit's wisdom that God is here? You see, even through this, we're to submit to one another. Verse 21. The Christian life is to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You see, this idea of submission is something that we're going to step into in the next few weeks. Because you see the verses that are coming next in chapter 5. Wives hate the next verses. Submit to your husband. Husbands, you've got to love your wives. You see, all of this coming here on how to walk as God walks, to walk as children of light, is all laying the groundwork for what's coming next. These verses here, 15 through 21, is preparing us for the difficult times ahead. Next week, we're going to jump into this idea of marriage. Even as joyful as it is, are there difficult times? How does the Christian present themselves to the world here? You see, we live in dangerous times. We live in a, in, a, in, a, we live in a world that is full of arrogance. We live in a world that, where people love themselves more than anything else. Can we say that? Amen? We live in a world where money is God. We live in a world where self... We live in a world where people are heartless toward one another. We live in a world where slander reigns. In other words, in order to get over your opponent, you find fault in them and you slander them. That's the world we live in. You see, non-Christians, non-believers are looking for opportunity to slander the gospel. They're looking for opportunity to slander the reputation of the Christian. We are to be wise in how we engage this world. Because we live in dangerous circumstances. Because there are opportunities around us where we must choose how to walk. And that requires wisdom. God is going to give us plenty of opportunities to practice wisdom of the church, to practice wisdom of the gospel. And this wisdom, God is giving us opportunities in a dangerous fallen world to protect the truth of the gospel. So you want to know why we live in a broken, unfallen world? You want to know why we have to deal with difficult bosses and, and, a, and a media that hates us and people around us who are just looking for opportunity to hurt us? It's because God is giving each and every Christian in this room an opportunity to defend the gospel. I'll let that sink in for a minute. But in order to do that, Paul is telling us in these verses that we are to be prudent. What is prudence? Prudence is it's a particular form of careful walking. To be prudent means that you pay attention where you step. 
You pay attention to where you're going. In other words, you're not just, you're not looking around with your cell phone in your, no, in your nose while you're walking across the street and get run over by a car. That would be foolish, amen? To be prudent would be to put the cell phone in your pocket and pay attention to the cars and the traffic as you cross the street. Can we do the same thing as we're living the gospel in a fallen world? Can we be prudent and wise in how we walk? Prudence is being careful in how we walk, and we are to be careful in how we defend this gift of God of salvation and the works of light that God gives us to preserve. So here's the thing. How many of us as Christians have actually failed in this? Instead of being shrewd, and instead of being able to govern and manage this gift of salvation that has been imparted to us, how many of us have used bad judgment and foolish choices in how we live as Christians? How many of us have failed to proclaim the gospel because we've allowed a non-believer to get under our skin and push those buttons? You see, if, we ha- if, if the gospel of Christ is worthy of protection and proclamation, then the gospel of Jesus Christ is also where we receive the power and the strength to defend it. We do not defend the gospel the way the world does. We defend the gospel the way Jesus Christ does. There are times where Jesus was forceful in his language and in his actions toward those who came against him, those who were hypocrites. Jesus used his harshest language for those who were the most high in authority. But those who were non-believers and were receptive to the love that he gives, he was kind and compassionate. We don't have to act like the world does in order to defend the gospel. We're to do the exact opposite. The message of the gospel is so powerful. It is a higher authority than any earthly authority can ever imagine. And it is more wise to follow the authorities over us the way Christ tells us to and be witnesses to that authority than to fight against it in a way that the world expects us to. The world expects us to be angry, and the world expects us to be boastful, and the world expects us to be uh, just aggressive. Jesus Christ tells us there is wisdom on when to stand firm, and there, well, we always stand firm, but how we stand firm, there are times where we should be forceful, there are other times where we should be uh, submissive and kind. Sometimes being submissive and kind to someone who is hateful can squash their power quickly. So how do we live as Christians in this world? We are to walk as children of light. But if we have the light, should we not see where we're stepping? Should we not see how to take the next step along the path? Should we not also see the danger that is coming ahead? Should we not also see the the attacks coming against the gospel? 
and not make it all about ourselves, but make it about Jesus Christ, the head of our church and the head of our lives. And I want to protect that with all that I am. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you, dear God, again for this chance to be your children. And I pray, God, that you would forgive us when we walk as children of light and we stumble because we've not paid attention to what's in front of us. I pray, dear God, that you would teach us and encourage us on how to defend the integrity of the truth of your word and, 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 and to defend the integrity of this gift of salvation that, Lord, only you give. Teach us how to do that in a way that glorifies your name rather than embarrasses it. If we are your children, God, give us the wisdom we need to proclaim your truth. Give us the wisdom we need to live well as Christians in a fallen world. We thank you, God, for your word, and we thank you for this true teaching. And I pray, God, that you would be with us as we live this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.